Hello, and welcome to the Harvest Podcast, brought to you by The Field in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we put love into action. We hope that you are blessed by these previous sermons by our pastor, Reverend Dr. Peter M. Weary. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a comment on whichever podcast platform you use. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Mayfield Memorial Missionary Baptist Church, as well as Instagram at The Field CLT. Be blessed. Nothing like that wonderful name. Hallelujah. There's just something about it when we call him. The Bible says that when we call at that name, every knee must bow and every tongue must confess that he is Lord. I say he is Lord. Aren't you glad you ain't Lord? He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew chapter 1, beginning with the 18th verse from today's English version, the Good News Translation, we find these words. This was how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. His mother, Mary, was engaged to Joseph. But before they were married, she found out that she was going to have a baby by the Holy Spirit. Joseph was a man who always did what was right. But he did not want to disgrace Mary publicly. So he made plans to break the engagement privately. While he was thinking about this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, Descendant of David, do not be afraid to take Mary to be your wife, for it is by the Holy Spirit that she has conceived. She will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this happened in order to make what the Lord had said through the prophet come true. A virgin will become pregnant and have a son, and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So when Joseph woke up, he married Mary, as the angel of the Lord had told him to do. But he had no sexual relations with her before she gave birth to her son. And Joseph named him Jesus. She will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Do the right thing. Turn to somebody near you and say, do the right thing. Let's pray. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. 
Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope. Let my will be lost in thine. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So for a few minutes today, I want to just focus on one thing, and that is that we achieve divine destiny when we are dominated by divine direction. Daniel, I could quit preaching and sit down right now. That's all I want to tell you. We achieve divine destiny when we are dominated by divine direction. This text here in the gospel according to Matthew is distinct from the similar story that we find in chapters 1 and 2 of Luke because Matthew has a different agenda. In Luke, the annunciation or announcement about the birth of Jesus comes to Mary. But here in Matthew, the announcement is to Joseph because it's through Joseph that Jesus is descended from King David. This announcement has deep Old Testament roots. In Genesis chapter 16, verses 7 through 14, there's an angel announced to Hagar that she would bear a son whose name would be Ishmael. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 15, all the way through Chapter 18, verse 15, God announced to Sarah, God announced to Abraham that Sarah was going to bear a son whose name would be Isaac. These announcements have deep roots in the Old Testament. In Judges chapter 13, verses 2 through 25, an angel announced to the wife of Manoah and later on to Manoah that she would bear a son. Also, the role of Joseph as a righteous man guided through dreams to protect the life of the helpless and further God's purpose is not unlike the role of the patriarch Joseph in Genesis. The opening of this passage, family, states that this is the story about the birth of Jesus Christ, but really, this is a story about the descent of Jesus Christ, who were his kinfolk. Really, this is a story about how God brings things to pass down through generations of unlikely scenarios and in spite of checkered pasts and drastic mistakes, I'm talking our story already. 
Nobody sitting here has made it to where you are without God using some drastic mistakes and some checkered moments in your life. Oh, I know y'all look good. You dress up real good. You clean up pretty. But I can tell you that everybody sitting here has had some moments that might have disqualified you from the ge genealogy of Jesus. This story is about a lot of unlikely scenarios that God brought together. Don't, list, don't miss it. A lot of unlikely scenarios that God brought together in spite of the bad things that happened to us and in spite of the mistakes and missteps and miscalculations and faults and failings. I'm here to tell you God has a way of bringing all of that stuff together. Has God ever brought some things to pass in your life even though some unlikely scenarios took place? Has God ever brought some stuff to pass in your life in spite of some drastic mistakes? This story is really about how God gets the impossible done through the improbable, over top of the incompetent, the unlikely through the uncertain, over top of the uncooperative. This story is about how God finds a way to bless us even though we don't deserve any blessing. This story is about how God can use us even though we don't understand why he would even bother to do so. This story is as much about the birth of hope as it is the birth of any person. God brings hope, y'all, out of the most inconceivable situations. I'm going to tell my own story. That's why this gospel starts with a complex genealogy. The genealogy includes some famous and some infamous characters. Sister Robbie Letts, a genealogist in our congregation, she can tell you that down through the years, a whole lot of stuff happens that ought to wipe the family out, but somehow God brought it to, be, God brought it to pass. Middle Passage should have killed all of us. We shouldn't be sitting here today, congresswoman sitting in the congregation. We shouldn't be here today, big strong man sitting in the congregation, bench pressing automobiles on a weekly basis. We shouldn't be sitting here today, teacher of the year. We shouldn't be sitting here today with all kind of degrees all over the place. We shouldn't be sitting here today with investment success and portfolio success and jobs taking us everywhere. We shouldn't be sitting here today having survived military service and excelled in families when we didn't have a real example to look at. We shouldn't be sitting here today in spite of all of the mistakes we've made, that's what this story, I want to quit preaching right now, Marvelma, and just celebrate the fact that God does this in our lives, and this story is about how God does it in history. This story is about the everyday struggle of everyday people to understand their place in the plan of God. It's a saga about how God chooses to use folk who are selected not based on their qualifications, but based on their aligning themselves with the opportune timing of eternity. This story, Field Family, celebrates how the power of God attends to folk who measure their success not by slavish adherence to their own dreams, but who measure success by disciplined obedience to divine direction. The moral of the story could be that 
We achieve divine destiny when we are dominated. We achieve divine destiny when we're dominated by divine direction. If you want to be what you were designed to be, if you want to know the power and the freedom of success in life, then line yourself up with the cosmic plan for your life. Not one of us was born to wander aimlessly through life without a purpose, but the enemy has tricked us into thinking the lie that, that only preachers have a cosmic purpose. The rest of us, well, we've been led to believe and just to live our lives trying to feel and experience all we can. This kind of thinking leaves us eventually numbed by the boredom that comes out of living from one sensation to another. That's what causes so many of us to be dominated by our appetites. We don't believe we have a higher purpose. That's what causes so many people to sell themselves short. We don't think we have anything else to offer. That's what convinces so many brothers uh, to live their lives feeling from place to place how I feel, what I can get, what I can experience, uh, what I can do for myself because we don't think we have anything else to offer. That's what causes so many sisters to sell themselves cheap, uh, dressing like they're on sale somewhere instead of realizing you got a whole lot more to offer than what's on your body. That's what causes a lot of us to be dominated by our appetites. Life in God, y'all, requires that we do the right thing. Y'all thought I was going to preach about Spike Lee. I come to tell you that life in God requires that we achieve divine destiny. That's what we were made for. That, 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 that we achieve divine destiny only, y'all, when we're dominated by divine direction. So, so, so how can we do the right thing? In other words, how, how can we achieve that divine destiny? How can we be dominated by divine direction? How can we do the right thing? Joseph gives us some good advice. The first thing Joseph shows us by modeling is that we've got to fight fear. Listen, listen to, listen to verse 29, uh, verse 20. Joseph, the angel said, descendant of David, listen to these words. Do not be afraid. I'm going to stop right there. Do not be afraid. If an angel came to, y'all be, tell the truth, shame the devil. If an angel came to you and said, Brother Wilson, Sister Kim is with child by the Holy Ghost. Do not be afraid. What? Did this angel bump his head coming down from heaven? If there ever was a time to be afraid, that's the time. Now, Joseph models Compassion in the face of this. He, he also demonstrates a godly balance between the law of Torah and the law of love. I think what shoots most of us in the foot, and I have to be honest, if the angel had come to me and said the same thing about my wife, I, I would have been afraid first because I knew me back then. 
about it. But, but, but Joseph doesn't even deal with the fear. Joseph deals first with the need for compassion for this wonderful teenage bride he had by his side. The first thing Joseph thought was compassion. The first thing Joseph thought was doing the right thing by her. How many of you have known churches that used to make young ladies come before the congregation and confess their sins? It ain't been that long ago. And some of it is still happening today. How, how many of you know that when they called the young woman, they didn't bother to call the young man? First of all, they couldn't find him. But if they'd have called him, he wouldn't have come. Joseph doesn't even go there. Joseph, he, he jumps right to the godly way. He jumps right to the concern of compassion for this young lady who was his wife. He demonstrates that, that being truly righteous doesn't mean looking up a rule in a book and then doing the right thing after that. It means wrestling with the complexities of a problem, listening for the voice of God, and then doing the right thing. This can be fearsome, y'all. This is the first of three times when and an angel appears to Joseph in a dream and in every instance the angel calls Joseph to action and Joseph obeys he, he has no speaking part Matthew doesn't record one word Joseph says in the first appearance the angel commands Joseph take Mary as his wife in chapter 2 verse 13 the angel is going to tell Joseph take the mother and the child to Egypt escape Herod's wrath in chapter 2 verse 19 the angel at the death of Herod tells Joseph, go back to Israel. Joseph is not to be afraid of the angel or of his neighbor's opinions. Can I stop right there and say, many of us don't do the right thing because we're too afraid of what folk going to say. Fact of the matter is, people don't have a heaven nor a hell to put you in. When you hear from God, you need to know that you heard from God. You need to be attuned enough to God to understand that when you hear something, it is from God. You will know the difference when you've spent some time with God. You ought to know that sometimes God speaks in weird and un uh, untenable ways, unrecognizable ways at times. God will sometimes speak through a circumstance that you know is wrong. Sometimes God will speak through a circumstance that you've never seen before. Sometimes God will speak through the mouth of a person who don't even know God. Sometimes God will speak through a circumstance that should have wiped you out. Sometimes God will speak through a trial or a tribulation like sickness. Sometimes God will speak through a blessing that you didn't expect. God is always speaking and Joseph can, he models that you can't hear from God if you are governed by fear. Anybody who's afraid ain't going to be able to follow like you're supposed to to follow. He's not to hesitate. He's not to be afraid to move forward but, it's, but, but, but he is to marry Mary and sometimes God gets you beyond your fear by convincing you to do something that you know ain't nobody going to approve of. Marry her? What? I'm supposed to report her and turn her in because it wasn't me. 
There was already gossip around. The historians tell us that this was a birth by a Roman soldier. There was already gossip around about this little girl having got herself in the family way, herself in the, gotten herself in the family way. There was already gossip around about some untoward circumstance that would have put Joseph on a collision course with the community he lived in. But, the, but Joseph models to us that if you want to do the right thing, you got to fight fear. When you get afraid, fear, you need to know, does not come from God. If you are afraid of anything, you know that ain't godly. Whatever you're afraid of may not be designed to make you afraid. But when you find fear, when you feel fear, you know that something ungodly is happening. Fight fear if you want to do the right thing. Then Joseph, Joseph, he does something that I think we would have to stop right there at our own fighting of fear to know that we don't do it. The second thing he does is he, he factors in the Holy Spirit. The book says, the book says in, in verse 20, the end of verse 20, for it is by the Holy Spirit that she has conceived. Emil Brunner says that to be righteous is just to obey the word of God. Obeying the word of God is tough because God, God operates in a place set in a way that a lot of times runs at odds with the way we think and the way we relate. I done already told y'all what I would say if the angel had come to me all these years ago before Justin and said, pregnant by who? The average, average brother would have said, you got to be kidding. Poem written by John Paul II in Draw Near to God says, Christmas demands faith because Christmas is a mystery. Our reason can't, cannot succeed in trying to understand how God could possibly have loved us to such a degree. The shepherds are given a sign. They will find him in a manger. There the infant Jesus has been placed, a sign of extreme poverty and of God's supreme humility. Such a thing baffles the intellect. It teaches us that to welcome the message of Christ, the divine redeemer, reason must be laid aside. Only humility, which melts into trust and adoration, can comprehend and welcome God's saving humility. What really sticks out here about Joseph is that Nowhere in this gospel do we ever read a spoken word from him. Prompt, simple, unspectacular obedience. That's what we see out of Joseph. No matter how the angel's announcement went against what Joseph had been wrestling with in his own mind, when he heard the angel's announcement, he just took it at face value. After all of his own wrestling, he factored in the Holy Spirit. How many know that when the Holy Spirit is operating, some strange stuff can come against your value system? Because he is higher than you. He is more aloof than you. Yet, he is inside of you. He is there with you. The Holy Spirit will, 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 will blow your mind because he will challenge you to believe some stuff that you know doesn't make any kind of sense. Come on, be honest. Look back. Just take a few seconds. When is the last time you remember a time in your life when something happened that you just could not explain?
I know y'all ain't never had that experience, have you? you? You never had a time when it happened and you don't even believe it happened. It, you saw it happen, but you couldn't believe it happened. I'm here to tell you when the Holy Ghost is moving, stuff happens. And stuff happens that you cannot explain. And the trouble that we have doing the right thing is sometimes we got to be able to explain everything. If we can't explain it, it ain't real. Well, there is a realm of reality beyond what we can explain. How many know you can't go to school long enough to explain the Holy Spirit? You cannot be in school long enough. You cannot get experience long enough. You cannot have money enough. You cannot play the stock market successfully enough. You cannot do any of that successfully enough to explain a few things. Some things you can't explain. For example, scientists can explain why it is we die. They can explain how it is we live. They can explain the spark that flies from one synapse to another, across a synapse in your brain to another nerve ending. But they cannot explain where the spark comes from. Where'd the spark come from? Where is the life force? Where does that exist in the body? They can't explain it. The Lord said, the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. And God, the Spirit, said, let there be. And there was. And the Ruach, the breath of God, breathed into humanity. And man and humanity and man and woman became, man became a living soul. You want to fight fear? You want to factor in the Holy Spirit? You'll be empowered to do the right thing. How can you do the right thing? You got to fight fear. You got to factor in the Holy Spirit because God is operating at a level completely above and beyond where you can figure and cipher as Jethro Bodine would say. You got to do what God says without fear because you know Holy Ghost power is with you. You got to know that God has a plan. Listen, listen to verse 21. She will have a son, and you will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This, most of us, most of us live at the intersection, y'all, between daily demands and divine destiny. It, it, it can feel almost impossible to deal with higher order stuff, uh, abstractions like destiny, when, when not only is the future foggy, but today is in doubt. I mean, there are, for all of us, there are some, there's some basic necessities of life that, that if they're not taken care of, we get stuck either in the past or in the present. But, but in verse 21, the angel stops talking in terms of Joseph's fears based on the laws of the past. The angel stops talking in terms of every human being's concrete tendencies to wrestle too much with present realities. In verse 21, the angel for the first time talks in hopeful tones. What looks like the end of the road does have a future dimension. I want somebody to understand that when you get to the place where it looks like you're done, like you have no more options, like no more doors are opening to you, like no more choices are 
are available to you. Like there are no answers that you can come up with. I'm here to tell you that sometimes life looks like tomorrow ain't going to come. Sometimes it looks like our journey is going to end right where we are. But for the first time, the angel opens up some new possibilities. He says, he says the basis for your hope, Peter, is rooted in the name that you name. Jesus, didn't the choir just tell you? There's something special when we call on that name because Jesus is himself the embodiment of God breaking a hole through the wall that's in front of you. Jesus is about the one who shines light in the middle of your pathway when you feel like you've come to the end of your road. The name Jesus, y'all, is the Greek form of the Hebrew Yehoshua, and that means in the Hebrew it means Yahweh is salvation. It's, it's related to the name Joshua, Moses' successor. The first Joshua saved the folk from their enemies. The second Joshua, Jesus, the book says, will save the people from their sins. I'm here to tell you that real hope dares to talk about what's going to happen. A real faith in theological terms is, is daring to talk about stuff you cannot see. It's the one doing the naming that has dominion or authority. Jesus, uh, Joseph gives the name, but God provides the plan. God, I'm here to tell you has a plan for you wherever you are don't dictate the circumstance trust the Holy Spirit don't be afraid of anything just know that even though what's happening is frightful God has told you you can fight fear and the book says that you got to know that however crazy things are looking God has a plan I dare you think now about some stuff that's going on in your life think now about some unmanageable circumstances that are happening to you I want you to know that even in that God has a plan. Even in the darkness that you face, God has a plan. You know what I did, Bible students? I, I took that verse this morning. Another revelation hit me about uh, that 21st verse. And it says, she will, listen to that, have a son. You know what I thought? What if she had a daughter? The angel said it. She will have a son. Not, not only did the angel say that, but you will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Uh, what if the daughter was named Jeanette and she didn't want to be now preacher? I mean... It's just as much if you think carnally that could have happened just as easily as what actually did happen. The angel knew enough to say what was going to happen. How many of you can say right now what's going to happen when you leave this worship space? How many can say what's going to happen? How many red lights are you going to make? How many will you run? How many red lights? How many, how many, how many accidents will you avoid? How many will you have? I mean, you don't know what's going to happen from one minute to the next. But here the angel comes and spells it out. 
Don't you get it twisted. She will have a son, and his name will be Jesus, the one who saves. He will save his people from their sins. Salvation is in your future. It's in your destiny. Deliverance is in our destiny. God has already willed it to be so. I dare you to leave here today happy about where you are going because even though you don't know where that is, you know God has it in God's hands. I dare you to leave here rejoicing today because no matter how bad it might look right now, uh, there will be a better day tomorrow. I hear the book say, weeping only endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I dare you to look at the craziness going on in your life or in your family or on your job or in your community. I dare you to look at the craziness at the, at the, at the craziness happening in Washington, Congresswoman, and I dare you to, to, to imagine right here and now that God has a plan. I mean, even for the damnable stuff that happens in that capital from week to week, I dare you to walk in there on the next time you do and declare in your own spirit, you know you can't say much that makes sense in the capital, but declare it in your own spirit, God has a plan. Really, really, that's all I wanted to tell y'all today. God has a plan. I know it looks abysmal. I know the enemies are tough. I know the burdens are heavy, but this season is about the fact that God saw the world going to hell in a handbasket. And somehow God had a plan that he would down through 42 generations send his only begotten son. It was a fait accompli. It was a done deal. It was a wrap. It was already decided that Jesus would come and God would send him into the craziness of human oppression. That's why I don't get too mad at election season, Congresswoman. When folk go to lying, they get up in the morning, and if they say good morning, it's probably a lie. I don't get mad at folk when they get in my pathway. Enemies that try to make life tough, they have only a small view that their actions are stopping you somehow. But I wish you would whirl on them one day and say you can't stop me because God has a plan. I wish you would at least say it in your own spirit because when I look back over my life, I didn't make it because I happened to be smart. I know a whole lot of people smarter than me. I'm not here because I'm strong. I've been able to push a car back up a hill, Brother Wesley. I didn't make it though because I could do that. I made it because there is a God who has a plan for me. Yeah. I'm here right now because I fought my fear when the wicked evil, my enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh. I'm not scared because I remember how they stumbled and fell. I'm here right now not because I got people but because I've got a host and camp around me that when they gather around me, he will lift me up above all my enemies round about me. I 
dare you to declare it over yourself. Sometimes, family, you got to speak over yourself because there are discouraging voices in every life. But you just tell yourself, wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, and tell yourself, God has a plan. I don't know what you're doing, Lord, but I know that you're doing it. Say yeah. Get up in the morning and get out of your bed, creaking and reeking, rocking and rolling, trying to get a few good steps in. Because Arthur was on one side and Brother Ritus was on the other. I don't care what's happening. Just declare it. God has, God has, God has a plan. So I'm not afraid. I ain't fearing nobody. As a matter of fact, I'm armed and dangerous. I got goodness in one holster and mercy in the other holster. Yeah! I'm all right, y'all. You better declare it. That's how you do the right thing. Because when you say, I fear nothing. When you say, God has the spirit walking right beside me. Walking with me. Talking with me. Telling me I'm his own. When I declare it, the power is in the tongue. Life and death, y'all, is in the power of the tongue. Yeah! We're going to study the Bible this week. And the subject of Bible study is called Watch Your Mouth. I'm going to challenge everybody. You better watch your mouth. By your words, you'll be justified. And by your words, you'll be condemned. Why don't you declare God is able? Why don't you declare I will survive? Why don't you declare I'm healed? Why don't you declare I got power? Why don't you declare I'm walking in victory? Why don't you declare there is a God who supplies my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus? You better know what appetites God has a plan. The whole church said it like this, y'all. Be not dismayed. What appetite? God will. God will. God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide. I found out for myself. God will. God will. God will take care of you. Be not dismayed. Whatever betide. Through every day. Or all the way. Through every valley. For every mountain. He brought you over. You ought to give him praise. Right now. Because his plan is that you survive. His plan 
is that you have life and have it more abundantly. His plan is that you shall not die, but you shall live and declare the works of the Lord. Somebody say yes. Yeah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes to your plan, Lord. I dare you to leave here today and say yes to your plan, God. I, 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 I don't, it doesn't even make sense what I'm looking at. Yes. Yes. Yes to your plan. I don't know about y'all, but right here in front of the Christmas tree, right in front of the cross, my soul says yes. Come on, y'all know it? You, you saying yes? Yes, Lord. Yeah, that's right there, right there. Somebody say yes, Lord. From the bottom, From of, the bottom of my heart. To the very depths of my soul. Right here I say. Yeah, yeah, Lord, yeah, Lord. Come breathe in. My, 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 my soul. The enemy stands in front of me saying no, but I say. I dare you to say it. The next time you run into the brick wall, say, Yes, Lord. From the bottom of my heart, to the depths of my soul, I say, Yes, Lord. Yeah, Lord, yeah, Lord, completely. And look, because of the great love he had for me, I say back to him, Lord, I love you. Anybody dare to say it today? I love you. From the bottom of my heart, I love you with an undying love. Listen, if you're here today and you need a savior in your life, you, you, you've heard of this Jesus. You generally believe in him. But you want him in your life in the same way that makes us act crazy sometimes. You want him in your life. And if you are that person, you can have him in your life today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. Yes.
So if you're here and you need a Savior, just pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I need you as my Savior. I am powerless to save myself. So if you prayed that prayer with me today, it means that your life has now changed. You're going to still make some mistakes. You're going to still have some burdens and problems. But what's changed is your reliance with the one who can banish your fear. He can bring spiritual guidance to your pathway. And he already has a plan for your life. He will implement it once you meet him. So if you're here today, if you're at home, if you're in the online community that engages this across the world, wherever you are, just put in the chat a hashtag you see at the bottom of your screen to the left. Field me, CLT. My digital pastor, Reverend Cobbins, is waiting to receive you. If you're here in this room and you want this Jesus in your life, the first call I want to make is for people who need to meet him. That's the most important thing. God has a plan for you, and it includes him. So if you're here today in this room and you need Jesus in your life, or if you're in this room and you need a church family, a place where you can activate the service to him that you know he deserves, you want to do ministry, you want to touch the community. This church is touching the community here and around the world, providing housing and providing food and praying for people on a weekly basis that we don't even know. You can be a part of a great move of God. If you want to be a part of it and you're in this room, all you got to do, I got some preachers I'm going to invite to meet you. And when you, when we all stand, we're going to invite you to step out from where you're sitting and make your way down and meet them. If they see you in the aisle and you can't make it all the way, they'll come get you and bring you. The matter is you need a family to study and worship and grow and work and serve God and humanity where Jesus is Lord and where the work of the Lord is going on. You need a family. And so we're going to invite you to come if you need Jesus. We're going to invite you to come if you want to be a part of a church family. Would you everybody stand? And we're going to just pray this prayer, sing this song as a prayer over your life that you will say, yes, Lord, completely yes. Our souls, our souls have already said yes. Just come. We're waiting on you. Our soul says Come on. If you know it and you believe it, why don't you say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on. We're waiting on you. From the bottom. Oh, say, 
Come on, we do it because we love him. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Come on, sister. Hallelujah. From the bottom of my heart to the depths of my soul. Let's say yes one more time as we get ready to go home. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes to your will. Yes to your way. Yes to your word. I can't help but say completely yes. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. And all of God's people who ain't scared, who are going to trust the Holy Ghost and walk in God's plan said, Amen. Go in peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Harvest Podcast. We pray that the message has uplifted, encouraged, and challenged you as you continue your walk with God. If you're looking for a church home, the great news is the field is not confined by the four walls of the church, for we all know that the people are the church. If you wish to become a partner in ministry, but more importantly, a member of God's family, Simply reach out to us on Facebook at Mayfield Memorial Missionary Baptist Church or on Instagram at The Field CLT. Thank you once again and be blessed.